Mother, I give you my soul, 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 call. Thou can't remain hidden anymore. Come out of the silent sky, come out of the mountain glen, come out of the silent sky, come out of Hey Guru everyone. Hey Guru. Hey Guru. <laughs> A different intro to what uh, our listeners are usually used to, but uh, welcome Lux for an emphatic entry into our podcast. How are you today? Thank you so much. I honestly feel so honored to be on this. I've been <laughs> here for a long time. I've been a fan and, you know, I'm so excited to share. We're super excited to have you. And um, and secondly, we have Lauren back for her Hello. cameo appearance. How are you, Lauren? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome to be here. And as usual, we have Mike, the only stalwart um, person on this podcast that's been in every single episode. Really? Am I yeah. the only one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to miss one and then Chris has missed a handful now. We may, we may have to, I think we may have to sack Chris because he's been gallivanting far too much and not, not, pay, not placing enough uh, importance on this groundbreaking. I can't wait for Chris to join an episode from Italy. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking for hopefully next episode we shall have him back. But Lux, um, I, you know, we uh, in jest asked you about to, you know, to sing, but you do have some musical prowess, don't you? I've um, heard some of your stuff. Um, Mike, actually, Mike and I independently have met and known Lux. You were in LA for a little while, were you, a couple of months ago or something? Yes, I was there last year and I was there for a whole year. And that's when I found like Lake Shrine and Guruji and I started the past last year. Awesome. And I saw on your Insta, I saw some beautiful um, shots um, where you were with lots of devotees next to a pool and some beautiful chanting going on with different musicians. Well, tell us about that. That's, that was epic. I thought I, I want to fly and be there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like it was a dream. Like I, I just had an intuitive feeling that I wanted to organize a spiritual concert and I thought, why not? Like LA just felt like anything's possible. Um, and so I just brought together a bunch of devotees and used the devotees house and uh, performed like Indian Karnatic singing because I've done that for like eight years. So yeah, I just like wanted to bring, I guess Indian classical music into a more like healing space because I found like a lot of spiritual music in LA is not like rooted in, in that kind of, realm it's kind of like soundball healings and stuff but there's something about you know the roots that I wanted to bring so yeah I just I just threw like three concerts and had a great time beautiful and um I'll put a link to to that one of those videos on, on the on the feed but um you also uh you, I take it you've had your arangetram then at some point <laughs> yeah I love that you know that word um <laughs> I actually haven't. It's it's basically like after you finish uh, your diploma, you have like 
a massive performance for loads of people. And uh, my dad's wanted me to do it, but I just haven't gotten around to it. And I was like, it, this kind of counts, right? This <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> um, Lux also has a very keen interest in uh, getting the career lesson. She was messaging me today about, oh, Mother Sandra are taking too long. They're not responding to my messages. Not in my mind, I just, uh, I just imagined like Lux like sending the application form and then texting them the next day. Did you receive my application? <laughs> you? Well, I haven't heard from you. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like overly keen, but you know, I just love, I love everything SRF. <laughs> like I'm just obsessed with it. <laughs> Lux, um, Lux was at our last uh, young adults meeting a few weeks ago with Lauren as well. So it was uh, nice to have everyone there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this uh, minute, um, this minute is really about a few things. There's, uh, there's some Russell Simmons comes back uh, and says a few things about uh, about delusion and where to look for joy and happiness and uh, and then he ends with a quite fantastic line and then be awake uh, which is a beautiful thing and we'll talk about the ramifications of of what he said um, then Goldberg comes in and he talks about you know the impact of what Yogananda has had on he's talking about what how he influenced people um, and you know changed the way they adapt to their upheavals and you know changes in their lives and then we have George Billard Medrieras I've uh, probably butchered that pronunciation um, he 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 has very personal reflection on um, and on you know being the soul and being connected to that and being connected to love and George is is a um, he is one of the uh, prisoners World War II prisoners camp survivors and and an SRF devotee from France and that is important because we've got some very moving scenes later uh, scenes that uh, have some connotations with the World War II such as uh, Berlin the Berlin Wall and then we have got some issues you know some very moving pictures of uh, Palestinians um, near Israel and you wouldn't have known about the latter one because it's not that clear unless you've got a very keen eye for uniform of officers. But uh, the book, the companion book, actually um, tells you in detail what each of those images are, and they're quite poignant for the minute. Um, so, yeah, quite an interesting minute. Um, so let's talk about what um, Andrew Simmons says, first of all. Essentially, he was saying um, being... If you guys open that card, um, you were saying that we should be unperturbed by, you know, things like joy and sorrow, and um, which is a which is really, really he's referencing the Bhagavad Gita, um, and we'll know lots of verses that talk about that concept, how to, you know, remain, remain, remain still in your life, um, remain not moved by all these uh, crazy things that happen, whether they're good or bad remaining balanced. But uh, rather than talking about the Gita, I thought we'd talk about Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, I don't know if anyone has heard that poem, but really that Kipling's poem, that is he's one of his most famous poems, and I'll put a link to it, um, and we'll talk about it, some of the words. Really what he's done is he's paraphrased the Gita, and uh, many people uh, um, would have heard of Kipling, I think he's the author of uh, The Jungle Book, is it? And uh, many other classics and poetry. But in this poem, 
he um <laughs> yeah as i said he just he's just using the gita and so but he's done it with finesse and uh, one of the, it's one of my favorite poems so we'll talk a little bit about it so um let's read a bit about it first um so the first section of um what simmons talks about is something that's kind of akin to like determination and unswerving or having no doubt you know that kind of thing so mike why don't you read uh, that section of the poem which uh, i think touches that element if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you but make allowance for their doubting too yes so keeping your head when all about you are losing theirs mike tell us about your experience in that endeavor i mean that is um super powerful right i i don't know i feel i maybe it's just because it rhymes and it's just that the extra thing for me. <laughs> but, but it's super strong it just blew me away those four lines pretty good i i read them just earlier when you when you mailed them to me but just reading it out loud i mean it is it is really oftentimes you, you know you you live your life and when you're a devotee you meditate and you hope that guruji is guiding you in your life and sometimes things become difficult and you lose that thing and you feel like oh my god is the, are things going well or not and and like not just um trusting yourself when all men doubt you um and make allowing for that doubting too uh, it's just perfect yeah. I, I find that very very inspiring it's also um on on many occasions we're not necessarily um you know in company that is of a similar mindset to us in terms of what's uh, the most important thing in our lives i.e god and, and spirituality and and meditation to uh, you know to realize that aim so often we have to um you know we have to trust ourselves you know they may criticize us but we have to carry on in our path but at the same time you make allowance for their doubting too which is the last bit of what you said which is which is kind of like um signifies that you shouldn't you should treat you know their, their doubting is coming from the weight of their historic experiences and that's not you shouldn't be critical of their doubting you should just accept that that's where they are in their lives um lux yeah, I just wanted to share like an experience that I had. Um, so I was on a cruise with my family and none of them meditate. So I was just like trying to escape and meditate every day. And they were like, what are you doing? And and then I was like, I'm meditating. And they're like, why are you meditating so much? Like you should enjoy the cruise. And and I see their point, but I, I did feel like I had to kind of hide part of myself. Um, but like you said, Priyank, like I think you have to just accept where people are and love them regardless and they can be a good person even if they don't meditate so <laughs> like you can just love people for being a beautiful soul because we all are beautiful souls mm. Laura yeah that's actually so beautiful as well because it's that unconditional love isn't it it's like it doesn't matter where you are in your path because I'm going to accept you just as you are and that's what God does for us every single day even when we trip up and fail um miserably sometimes um 
But yeah, I think also it's really easy to get swept away with other people's tides, especially if they're not in alignment with where you are going or where you particularly want to be. So for me, that's definitely what stuck out. It's actually, you know, be, be still in, in who you are as your soul and try not to get, you know, magnetized away from things that aren't actually meant for you at all, mm. uh, which is easier said than done, <laughs> but we try. <laughs> Mm-hmm. definitely um which touches on the next uh, subject which is uh, the infinite patience that's required on this spiritual path and again simmons talked about touched on that in his uh, little dialogue and the humility that you have to have um lux do you want to read that part of the poem that touches those elements um <clears throat> if you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about. Don't deal in lies or being hated. Don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim. Really, really powerful, powerful words. Um, thank you, Lauren, uh, Lux. Um, if you can wait but not be tired by waiting i think this is in the crux in one line it's the meditative effort that we have to go through in our experiences especially um especially when we're not uh, seeing the spiritual eye we're not hearing that thundering warm vibration which uh, which most of us are probably in that, in that category but i don't know that for a fact don't quote me but uh, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting that's just such a such a wonderful way of saying that isn't it um and and lots of people will uh, use this as uh, as just uh, a line for you know their, their everyday life and obviously it does apply but we know what kipling was influenced by and we know where he's got a lot of these ideas from so the essential is 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 in the spiritual um element uh michael i feel the the patience aspect it kind of reminded me i mean of i think that's what you are also hinting towards towards the patience on the spiritual path right where you meditate every day and i feel like it's easy to wait when you feel like you're progressing or things are going well you know and like i feel like ideally you would have like the spiritual progress bar at your spiritual eye and you would see every day it would go like one more one, a bit closer right and um uh when you don't have that then sometimes it becomes very tough and you and you cut you get into those moods where or i don't want to generalize i get into those moods where i feel like oh my god am i doing the right thing and i start I go back to that number one thing. I question everything. Am I doing this right? Am I am my intentions pure? Is everything right? Maybe that's sometimes a good thing to do, but just having this kind of patience keeps you from all because it creates a lot of turmoil in your mind, and that's definitely not great. So that patience is definitely this kind of quality that keeps you calm all the time. You should see carry on, you carry on. <laughs> Indeed. Um the part of this section that you just read out if you can think and not make thoughts your aim i always wondered uh, i've read this poem probably a few dozen times actually i always wondered about that line if you can think and not make thoughts your aim 
how are they connected um the only way i can think of is um you know when you when you think when you're thinking of something and then rather than thinking about it you're um you're making that uh oh it's hard to explain <laughs> wait you know the thing is that there's that spiritual principle where you just do what you're doing and you don't think about the result you just do what you're mm -hmm. doing to the best of your ability and that's the closest i can think that's what that would mean but it's a very um very uh blurry blurry uh, conception of what that or inference of what that could mean um lauren what do you think i wonder if it's also kind of alluding to that thing of if you can think things but not make philosophy your aim so you don't get too caught up in that intellectual element of wow this is you know really intriguing and let's dive in which is fun but also that's not the point is it it's actually spiritual realization so Perhaps, maybe, that's also what he was alluding to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't philosophize. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just uh, trying to think because that the sentence before makes a lot of sense. If you can dream and not make the dreams your master, that speaks to me totally. Right? Um, the, the second one, I was kind of thinking what it actually means, but I think Lauren is exactly right. Uh, it just means not don't get lost in the intellect because it kind of feels like oh I already figured this out right even though what have you really figured out <laughs> unless you actually experience God mm -hmm. very true um Lauren do you want to read the next set of lines out love to okay if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken, and stoop and build them up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. And this is the crux isn't it this is i think this is the meatiest part of the poem you can meet with triumph and disaster and then he calls them imposters which in truth that's what they are right <laughs> one man's one man's victory is another man's mm. loss isn't it um and then i love this pit if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools you know i um once uh i always tell people never to share their deepest uh spiritual experiences um and then sometimes this even applies for like um you know we talked about uh you know at the, at the, one of the first poems uh, one of the first parts of this when uh, when when we talked about um you know not letting not being too influenced not being too influenced by people that aren't on the spiritual path that are criticizing you um i once uh, recently with my friend i mentioned something spiritual uh you know the impact of spiritual like um i said you know we refer to this like um meditation for example that people some people may have been meditating for a, a long time and others not so long and i said some people meditate and then the first time they meditate they um they may you know they may tear up and i've seen this you know that's that's how, how much that's their level of devotion even though they don't have any practices in meditation they've just closed their eyes 
and they're they're there and you know tears of devotion and love are streaming and to me that's a one of the most powerful things I've I've seen and then and then that same person used this line in a joke and I was like oh I can't believe can't believe you've just done that and I actually had to tell them off and I thought no I shouldn't have myself I should have kept that in because that's such a um such a treasure of an experience and this wasn't my experience so it didn't go into categorizing my rule of um spiritual experiences that you have I thought oh this is like a lovely concept that I'm hoping people would understand but uh, yeah that uh, that uh, <laughs> you have to be very careful with what uh, what you tell people especially if it's going to impact you and how you've perceived some uh, you know situation in your life um, because personally I'm very uh, I I never cry so when I see other people cry because of their devotion that's that, that's something beautiful for me so yeah mm. I don't know if that's a related or a complete tangent that isn't related but uh, there you go Mike the fact that, that that this pains you when someone makes a joke about it shows your own devotion as well right mm. because it feels like you can emphasize with this experience um I was gonna go to the second part of this uh, sentence uh, of this uh, par paragraph where he basically says, you take all your winnings of your whole life and then you flip a coin and lose it all. And I don't know how this feels for you guys, but for me, this sounds like a super liberating experience because the I feel like the same way everything came once to you, it will come again to you, right? It is, I don't think anything came to you by chance or because you were lucky. Things just come to you because you are you have that karma maybe or you have that blessing or and I, I don't think feeling like you have to hold on to something all the time is is a is something you need to do. You don't need to worry about it. Mm. Mm. Um, it reminds it's a very uh, mystical um, element, I think, um, because at the final um, final reckoning when you when you when you leave this um leave this plane and leave this birth you obviously have to <laughs> you, you have to leave it all behind regardless of um you know what egyptian pharaohs thought when they took their <laughs> took their treasures uh, treasures in with them and you know i recently we just had the queen's queen's funeral here in the uk which has received uh, much uh, media attention i'm sure everywhere um but i i was astonished to discover that she um she was taking a minor jewelry with her in her coffin and I thought oh wow we really haven't got out of this um <laughs> 5,000 years of civilization and it seems to be that we're still there uh, she really hasn't taken on <laughs> whoever whoever made that decision really hasn't you know take her on board with so Rudyard Kipling's uh, poem here, nor <laughs> let alone the Bhagavad Gita, and um, so you know we have to at the, at the day of reckoning we have to give it all up. But the the second part of that, which is quite you know in terms of in this life, when when you have to do that, when you have to make fresh starts, was quite uh, quite beautiful. He says, um, and lose when you lose and start again at your beginnings, and never breathe a word about your loss. Wow, that is just phenomenal, isn't it? If you can just just forget you know how much uh, detachment is that that's literally uh, working just for the sake of working it's a liberating liberating concept isn't it lauren yeah i mean you, you you'd be so free if you live that way and in some way you wouldn't even see it as a loss you would just see it as this is as it is 
and there is nothing else. And it's like you say, you can almost die your death while you're living in this body and be completely free. And the fact that that's a possibility is just... I don't have words. It's so exciting. <laughs> Listen, if Lauren, uh, Lauren literally was jumping around in her seat as she said that. <laughs> That's the impact Rudyard has on people. I know. <laughs> uh, Lauren, uh, sorry, Lux. I love Lauren's excitement right now. I'm just mirroring that. And uh, I'm kind of been going through that right now because in LA, you know, I was doing my concerts and I felt you know I'm like living the life sunny California and then I'm like back in rainy miserable London trying to finish my degree living with my parents I'm like oh my god Goji like this is the opposite of like what I was doing (laughs) like this is like kind of the complete opposite but in a way it's 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 like everything is beautiful because my inside world is happy so I'm learning to not be so attached to even the desires that I might have or preferences like I want to be here and with these people I'd obviously prefer it but I can choose to be happy anywhere and and so I think this is a great reminder of like every day every moment is a new beginning and we can truly you know feel joy in that in every moment yes so true so true Mike I have two two ideas actually sparked up one of them was um a little bit um, adding to what Lux said, I feel like the pandemic did a lot of that as well. It made a lot of people, like a lot of people had their dreams and they were suddenly not coming to fruition and so we were all sitting at home. And um, I feel like uh, it must, must have been difficult in the beginning, but may, I feel like a lot of people, they have a they have gotten from this an, a sense of how to get along with yourself better because they were forced to. And I feel like that's a, if there are any positives, that's one. And the other one, this idea came to my mind. Imagine you're like, you're born, right? Uh, your incarnation is um, 70 years of Queen of England, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then imagine where your ego is at the end. It's like, you know, like, um, and then you're like, you're like on all the money. You are like her majesty's everything, right? And then... <laughs> and then you pass away and then you're reborn <laughs> what's your next life going to be like what I, I mean I can imagine your expectations must be pretty high in your next life I wonder what that... <laughs> oh, that's a whole other podcast topic the, the impact the impact of a monarch not just on the, on the country on the government but also on the monarch him or herself that's an interesting um interesting subject actually but probably one we shouldn't get into uh, i've got some very strong feelings about it which i won't divulge on this, <laughs> on this podcast um, I but, yeah. but the next element of this poem is really about salvation and that's the last few lines of this poem which is also linked to the last couple of lines that russell simmons says so russell, russell simmons says um so look you know inside for the watcher and be connected to the watcher and then be awake which is beautiful because the movie is titled awake and in rudyard kipling's poem which the last two lines is about this same concept um and it's it's cloaked in a bit of mystery uh, play of uh, play of words if you will because he says um, if you can do all those things then yours is 
the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. So this, uh, to, a, to a person that isn't, you know, familiar with Eastern spirituality, all those things that, um, that he talked about and with that, we that we recited in the poem would literally be good, you know, good things to do in your life, you know, treating triumph and disaster as the same, don't lie, don't blame others, all these uh, very commandment-y type things. But obviously we know that they've got some very deep, profound spiritual implications and truth, um, especially, you know, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting. I mean, wow. <laughs> uh, and then, so this literal, this literal um, translation, yours is the earth, and, you're sorry, this literal interpretation of yours is the earth and everything that's in it is obviously quite akin to something like monarchy. But we know that he's not uh, affirming monarchy in this poem. He's talking about... Uh, yours is the earth i.e you then have you know every everything that's in creation is available to you not just on this earth and which is more you'll be a man my son and this you know a literal interpretation would be this is a bit sexist why well, have to be a man or a woman um, but this is obviously referring to man as the ultimate man as in the highest man as in a self-realized man or woman so you know, this is this is the interpretation that we would have in the East, and we know Rudyard has been heavily influenced by the East. So uh, I think that's what he meant, and he cloaked it beautifully, I think, in this poem, such that it could apply to uh, lay members as well as people such as us on the spiritual path. Yes, Mike. Yeah, and he spells man with a capital M, right? So <laughs> it is. He he does mean he does mean that. Uh, the kind of concept and not the not the gender i'm guessing and it's very beautiful the way he interprets the bhagavad gita right but he must have a lot of insight um spiritual insight when he reads this like just a few episodes ago we were talking about oppenheimer and his his um uh translation of the gita which was very very negative remember i don't remember the exact line but I, it was somehow he then connected it to the atomic bomb. Yeah, I'm become the death of the destroyer of worlds. Yep. And that, that that kind of goes to show how, like, so there are those texts, but you also need spiritual insight. You maybe even need a guru to explain to you what it actually means and how mm. to how to read it. Mm. Even Rudyard, um, Rudyard Kipling's uh, moral compass, compass, and especially on things such as racism, was uh, very skewed. Um, you would say, especially if you uh, if you read a bit about him. But uh, that's not to say that he couldn't read the Gita fresh and uh, you know imbibe some beautiful truths from it, such as he has, and and pretty much paraphrased it and you know developed this beautiful poem such as he has i mean there's not that many lines or there, i don't think there's any lines in there that anyone would disagree with um, any any christian or hindu let alone just uh, uh, you know a human being that doesn't really uh, uh, i mean attribute a religion to themselves so yeah so i thought that was a good uh, parallel uh, thank you for uh, indulging me in in that uh, in that um, in that i always wanted to talk about that poem now i've uh, Met that, uh, met that ambition. Um, so the other thing that he talks about in this uh, minute is um, seeking happiness within. 
Um, and we know the very famous uh, biblical line, which is, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is within us. And that's where we should um, go. That's uh, one of my favorite lines from, from the Bible. Um, let's read a little bit um, about that line um, uh, from what Guruji has written. Um, Lauren, do you, want to, do you want to start us off? Yeah. The kingdom of God is not separate from the kingdom of matter, but is both within it, pervading it in subtle form as its origin and sustainer, and beyond it, existing in the infinite mansions of the Father, beyond the circumscribed physical cosmos. That is why Jesus said it is futile to look for heaven with the consciousness concentrated on material vibrations, identified with bodily sensations and pleasures and earthly comforts. Lux? In the kingdom of matter and body consciousness, man finds disease and mental and physical suffering. But turning within into the inner kingdom, he finds the comforter, the Holy Ghost, or cosmic vibration of all, manifesting in the subtle cerebrospinal centers of spiritual consciousness. To be carried along the outgoing stream of material consciousness is to be swept willy-nilly into the haze <laughs> of Satan's kingdom, the realm of earthly attachments and limitations of the mortal body. To follow the inwardly flowing stream of consciousness by meditating on Orm is to reach the blissful kingdom of God that exists behind the opaque obstruction of the physical being. <laughs> and one of the recent convocation talk um, on the reviewing of the Orm technique, <clears throat> I think it was brother Anandamoy that he quoted and he said um, who said like Guruji told him just to surround surround yourself with Aum really really make Aum the vibration that's like you know the eminent one in your life even even and he gave a technique where he said at the before you go to sleep even then have an Aum bath as it were and he said like um he said like with with your finger where your head is write the om with your finger and then he said like chant om with your hands and then rotate all the om around your body and rotate it back and do that a few times so my wife and i have been practicing that and oh it is a pretty powerful experience it changes um changes your consciousness just before going to sleep it really interiorizes you and I feel that whatever you may have had, you know, been we're energetically quite influenced, aren't we? When we are in certain environments or around certain people or energies that we ourselves have created that may not be positive. Um, but this warm bath that we have both in terms of um, when we're practicing the Orm technique and any of the techniques really, but the Orm one being uh, an important one. And also this, um, quite a gross kind of a crude technique that um, that he talked about in this class it was quite um, quite beautiful and uh, I'd recommend it um, and me my wife and I do it at the same time so like the orm becomes like much like louder in the space so it's uh, quite uh, quite an uplifting quite uplifting experience so you might try it and next time I want to hear hear how you uh how you how it how, how it suits you um but yeah the kingdom of 
heaven is within you. I think it's a beautiful uh, concept to meditate on. Mike? I like that you mentioned that technique. I actually, um, I will actually try that because I, I feel like before you go to sleep, at least for me, I'm the most vulnerable to negative thoughts and to difficulties. So oftentimes before I before I go to sleep, I either journal or I try to fall asleep to a mantra. But it's very, it's not, um, it's not always um, straightforward. Especially sometimes when you when you go to sleep and you lie awake for half an hour, then your mind goes through blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and um that that sounds like a great thing to do in the evening cool yeah um master obviously tells us that we should be meditating at least twice a day i in the morning upon waking and in the night before sleeping so if you don't have time to do many of your practices in the evening then that is one that you can certainly do without any sort of effort or interiorization because it brings you into that space and it'll probably take less than a couple of minutes personally i we do we practice the hum hung so hung so technique together and then that one together just before we go to sleep so that's yeah, pretty good yeah laura um yeah just going back to the poem uh and, and the whole thing of uh the kingdom of god and the kingdom of heaven within you i just think even if you're not spiritually inclined, quote unquote, even if you're not, that doesn't interest you, you can still find that without even realizing. You know, when you're caught up in your worries or whatever, and you know, you take a moment and you breathe, and for a second it all just melts away. That's basically a microscopic pin, pinpoint experience of what spiritual scripture is speaking about. And I think it's accessible to everybody, no matter where you're at in your journey, which I just think is so wonderful that in some way, everyone experiences it at some point in their lifetime to some degree, whether they're aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. And we're just living in, with that potentiality in, inside of us. It's, yeah and personally even though i'm on the spiritual path i still relish that because <laughs> many mm. times i'll have a very um, disturbed meditation shall we say and uh, the interior interiorization process has been quite fraught and mm. uh, not very successful but virtually on every meditation there'll be that fraction of a second that you referred to yeah. where you're in the space and then you t then you just think oh it's just that much but really you should as lauren is saying i should celebrate that moment because mm. perhaps all of that previous however long i've been spending is just for that single moment and it sometimes sometimes it comes easy like you're there mm. straight away without techniques you're just there and then other times you have to practice 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 one little glimmer more practice yeah. practice practice yeah well they <laughs> say don't they sometimes you know um i've heard people say you know well it was worth spending my entire life seeking God for that one glimpse because that meant more than anything else mm. and isn't that what we're all doing here anyway mm -hmm. so yeah even if it's just a second that's incredible beautiful Lux 
Um, I just wanted to share an affirmation. Um, so I was counseling with Brother Sachananda and I was saying how I can be super energy sensitive to other people. And so he gave me an affirmation that was unique. So he said, um, tell yourself throughout the day, just mentally affirm, I am God's warrior princess, <laughs> um, which I love. I feel like that was just perfect. And um, I am peace, I am strength, divine peace and strength flows through me. And I think just changing from me to, oh, I'm just like a channel for this, really just like liberates you because you're like oh yeah like I'm just so stuck in me mode like everybody's affecting me instead of how can I radiate that joy and how can mm. I influence my environment instead of being a victim of it um so I think that's a nice switch to make during the day like oh wait I'm kind of working for God as opposed to yeah making it about the ego mm. and it wants mm beautiful it's so lovely that you have that you've had that a personal count, uh, session with brother satyananda and he gave you that um that lovely affirmation um yeah maybe if you can uh, we'll we'll write that down as, as one we'll write it in the um, comments and perhaps other people can use it now if they want if they found it beneficial um can, talking about brother satyananda we have uh, an image of uh uh, Paramahansa Yogananda uh, dedicating Lake Shrine in this uh, image and obviously um, I think all of us Lauren you went to Lake Shrine right? No. I no you didn't go you were in LA you went to Mother Center but not to no, no no I've never been to America I've yet to go. Well, you mentioned yeah anyway must be thinking of someone else. Um, no I think I, I said because I was wearing Rudraksha last time oh. and I said I got it from uh Ma the the mother center yeah no america but online online um, that was okay. it yeah okay right yeah. And i misunderstood um <laughs> so okay. there's, there's this wonderful video um that um self-relation fellowship centers use for special occasions it's called the lake shrine dedication and there's this image uh, this small video that we have of kuruji reading from possibly whispers from eternity or another of his books at the you know the opening of lake shrine and it's quite a beautiful video because we've got this um it's it doesn't have any um it doesn't correct me if i'm wrong mike but i don't think it actually has any like verbatim it doesn't have quality talking but it's just um lovely music and uh and guruji just you know doing all the stuff uh, and he's speaking to people and you get to see him interacting so i'd really recommend uh, you guys uh, watching that one yeah mike there's some verbatim in there like mm. uh, the, the ceremony itself where he does a prayer and he um so part of the ceremony is um laying down the ashes of mahatma gandhi and that part you you hear in the movie yeah with a booming voice you know <laughs> yes now i recall that much actually yeah you're right um did you uh, when was the last time you watched that mike do you do you like that one i do i watch it a lot of times um but honestly i think most of the times i watch it was either in uh, my center in vienna or at convocation and neither of them i've been to recently like, yeah, uh, so, looking forward to in-person convocation again <laughs> it's always a good gap filler isn't it in between two 
like talks or in between like lunch or something especially if you're fasting and no yeah. and you're not having lunch then that's perfect yes <laughs> and you need this time to pass yeah no it's, it's, it's really good it's, it's it really good. it's it's really great because there like we said uh there isn't too much footage of Paramahansa Yogananda original one and this one is great yes indeed and then we, this is an interesting uh, for all the film geeks out there especially awake film geeks i know there's a few um, and a few of us in this room talking today will appreciate this i'm sure goldberg in his section talks about um, the indian teachings that yogananda represented weren't you know escapes um, they were methods of adapting to changes etc um, and the, you know the roles and personalities that we inhibit but in the book there's an extra part it says he also says in the book, if we're going to change those kinds of circumstances, so there's hope for our survival, the change has to come from inside out. Now, that wasn't in the film, but the images for that were in the film. So the images, for whatever reason, that they didn't, you know, they edited that section out, but they kept the images, and the images are quite powerful images. So we have, um, uh, pretty much the picture of uh, of the Berlin Wall and people standing and jumping on it with um, with some officers and keeping them in tow. So it's, uh, it's, it's the picture of um, East German guards. Um, they watch the crowds massing on top of the Berlin Wall in in 1989, um, just before it uh, just before it's you know crashed down. Uh, Mike, yeah, I, I, this just brings so much emotion for me because I. I grew up, grew up partially in Germany. My my mother's side of the family is from Germany, and when actually the day when the wall came down, it was it was so interesting because the wall. I still remember like this was like a reality for people that could not be changed. You know, there was like higher powers at work. There was the country was split, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just carry on with your life. Um, a lot of people had like part of their family on the other side they couldn't talk to them or um and i remember i was at my my so my grandma she lived really close to the border with east germany in northern bavaria and we were there for the for i don't know what it was just for a week to visit my grandma and that was exactly the time when the when the wall came down and there was such a euphoria. It was insane. I was like, my grandma sat in front of the TV. She was crying. And I was six years old. I didn't really understand really what was going on. And then they, then um, uh, my, one, my uncle came in the door and he said, like, they opened the border, they opened the border. And then my, my mom, my dad, my aunts and my grandma, they all went, took the car and they drove across the border and Two of them didn't even have passports on them, but they didn't really check anymore. <laughs> they just let him <laughs> And they came back at midnight or something. I, I stayed at home with my cousin, um, but it was like an, an, an incredible experience. And they came back like, oh my God, we were on the other side and we everyone was so happy and friendly. And that, yeah, it was just cool. the emotion from mm. then was just incredible. Mm. Do you, does it, am I remembering correctly? Um after there's there's people hugging from other sides am i am i seeing is that a video that is that that's out there there's like people there's, embracing there's, each other 
there's many of those like most of the mm -hmm. pictures are from actually berlin mm -hmm. like where i was wasn't berlin where i was was uh in in bavaria but what i found so incredible was that the whole time it was impossible and then suddenly it happened mm -hmm. and um yeah i feel like that's what the power of thought can do yeah and um the fact that it was um <laughs> it must have been so uh oppressive um and like weighed so heavily on the consciousness of 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 people on both sides especially because i had family on either side as, as you mentioned so like you know such a not only was it symbolic are you breaking the wall and, and and the boundaries but also as um it was physically done so it made that moment all the more um powerful and i can't imagine another time in history um other than like uh when you know new year's eve when everyone's wasted that you just go and hug random hug, hug random people <laughs> what a comparison i remember because i was um when i was two year 2000 i was in central london and this everyone was just embracing each other with this wild thing but as i say everyone was on i wasn't on the, but everyone was under the influence and everyone loses their inhibitions at that point but yeah this in this case obviously people would have um embraced each other and you, you would have probably i'm imagining they would have hugged strangers and everyone would have been open to that um beautiful affection that no other really no other um scenario in life gives you that real opportunity does it which is pretty sad isn't it you can't just go up to someone on the street and just hug them otherwise like <laughs> police officer police officer might have something to say it's pretty sad isn't it you may like yeah. um yeah anyway digress i digress but um the in the int unique thing about this is that it's followed by um as we say, um, George Villard Medrieres, who's um, who's you know a prisoner, uh, a survivor of the prisoners of World War II prisoner camp, and he says, um, you know, when I am in the soul, I know that nothing is important on the earth, nothing, nothing at all. Only love is important, and it's uh, pertinent that um, they used these images of the burning Berlin Wall, and then they had you know pretty much uh, someone that went through that for, um, during World War II. So he knew firsthand um, the impact of that. So it was a powerful, uh, powerful use of, um, uh, you know, an interview, I suppose, with, with imagery as well. Mike? I, I want to add to what you said about um, the people hugging and that you cannot do this in, in real life. Um, because rules and stuff and, uh, you know, like how society works. Social, social conventions. <laughs> but there is, there is a tendency in, in our society soul sucks. that wants to connect. Yeah, I mean, um, it, doesn't always, it doesn't always deliver what we want. And, but there's a, the soul has like this uh, wanting to connect to other souls, right? The same way it wants to connect to God, maybe not the same way, but it, it wants to connect to other souls. And when this doesn't happen often, then the soul gets sad. So there is there's a thing that you kind of want to connect to something higher. Maybe connecting to other souls is kind of um, a milestone or not a milestone, but maybe it, it feels almost like, you know, you actually want to connect to God and then you 
then you feel like you're connected with everything. But until that happens, connecting to other souls is like a thing that that uh, gives you comfort. Good times. Lauren and Lux, when I next see you, I'm going to give you a huge hug. And yeah. Then, uh, it's going to be because of this. <laughs> Free hugs all around. <laughs> As, to be honest, the uh, hugs at the centre are always uh, very forthcoming, aren't they? <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> so it's nothing new Lux and I actually you can wear one me. of those free hug t-shirts <laughs> yeah <laughs> ask, ask me for a hug see what I say uh, yeah Lux and I are actually meeting in a couple of days and we're going to do it hopefully doing, doing a concert a musical concert in the London centre um, oh, over cool. Christmas yeah. breaking news <laughs> Um, and uh, Mike, we're gonna. Mike um, took part in these previously, where we've done fundraisers and we acted uh, various scenes from the autobiography. Uh, scenes such as two penniless boys in Vrindavan. Um, <laughs> Mike, uh, yeah, Mike was Makunda in that scenario. If I recall. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think nobody will miss Mike when Lux will be there. So who <laughs> who was the who was the, who was the doubting Thomas in that um, Jitendra? Was it Jitendra? Who was that? Who played yeah, that? Yeah, uh, um, I honestly can't remember. Can't remember. I think it was a girl. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're going to do that. So we're looking forward to that. <clears throat> Another the last scene in. Um, is um is an equally somber one it's actually quite moving this one um this one is of palestinians praying near the israeli soldiers in protest of the land confiscated in the west bank and obviously you wouldn't have known that but that's what it um, says in the book um but that is a uh, quite a powerful demonstration isn't it compared to uh holding up placards or you know civil disobedience as, as as was practiced in India during their independence campaign um praying in front of soldiers is uh wow that's um <laughs> that's out there I wonder I wonder what those soldiers uh how bad they feel when they see that because mm. you can't uh, you can't help but um empathize can you if someone is praying in front of you in that way it's quite powerful Mike yeah, super brave, right? Um, but but exactly the right thing to do. And like, I, I don't want to be controversial, but there's another wall to, should come down at some point, right? Mm. Like, I feel like that's the, that's the only way, the peaceful, persistent, putting the thought out there, praying to God, that's the way how you get things done. Mm. Well, yeah, in this case, there's probably a barbed wire fence, isn't there? Um, yeah, a lux. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share that I went to Palestine like four years ago and it was just like so tense and hostile and I felt like, you know, people wouldn't even smile, let alone hug each other. It was like, it was just, the, the vibration was so, there was so much fear and I feel like that perpetuates itself. So at that point, you're just like, kind of like praying is the only way to kind of get out of that because everybody is so divided and fearful it's really hard not to take that on especially when so many people are putting that energy out mm. yeah yeah I intend to um intend to visit Israel um to see some of the 
holy spots that Guruji talks about in the autobiography. And um, but I, d- I don't know how I'm going to handle this um, scenario of uh, Palestine. I don't. I, I need to. I want to go to Israel, but I don't. Mike, you've been right. How did you cope with this? Uh, um, I, ch- I, chick- moral... I chickened out. I, I didn't go to Palestine. Mm. Mm. I was the, the the only place that that felt like where, where you felt people from both sides were present was Jerusalem, um, and the rest. Yeah, you felt like you were, were behind a wall. You could see from some pl- from some part of the motorway, you could see Ramallah, which is the capital of the the Palestinian territories. But I, I was thinking of going over there, but I was with a group, and the, um, yeah, we decided not to go. Yeah, now I was thinking about um, yeah, no, let's, let's discuss that on another podcast. <laughs> so, getting getting a bit too political, um, but yeah, it's a very interesting minute um so we mm. we discussed um the gita i suppose we discussed uh, some of the political um you know political movements and how they impact people so i thought that was quite um quite interesting that discussion actually especially in light of what we we're discussing with the gita um lux how did you find that thank you very much for joining us I absolutely loved it, guys. I mean, if you have me on again, I'll be happy to feel oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Don't say that. We're going to have you on every week. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren, thank you very much for coming back. Thank you for having me. I love it. It's such a joy. <laughs> Each time, it just, it makes me feel alive. You know, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and we were saying, you know, sometimes when, when you have an interaction, it can drain you, it can sustain you, or it can ignite you. And these always just fill my spiritual cup. So thank you. <laughs> Podcast listeners haven't seen the ignition of Lauren, but through this episode, she has been <laughs> on fire. <laughs> her heart has been a flame. Her soul has been a fire, for sure. <laughs> on that note, we shall see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank, thank you. Jai Guru. Jai Guru, everybody. Yeah.